It's time for the radio show with a dose of the magical magic and the law of attraction with Madame Pamita. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Madame Pamita, and you're listening once again to Magic and the Law of Attraction the podcast where you'll learn how to transform your life in magical ways to make it the very best that it can be. Welcome to episode 63 of Magic and the Law of Attraction, how to add gemstones to your spells. I think everybody agrees that gems are magical. Even non-magical people have admired the color and the sparkle of gems since ancient times. Nowadays, however, people are coming back to the idea that people had thousands of years ago that gems have magical power. So how do we amplify our magic with gems? And what are their special powers? And in what ways can we add them to our spells for maximum effectiveness? In this episode, I'll share all of this, plus some of my favorite gems for different types of spells. Pretty good. Uh, But before we dive in, Would you like to win a free spell kit by Madame Pamita? Each month we do a special giveaway. A couple, a month ago or so was a a tarot reading. Now we have a spell kit going on. Um, It's always something different, but we give away a different magical, really kind of magical kit or gift or something to one lucky winner. And if it's a candle spell kit this month, These candle spell kits include everything you need to cast a beautiful candle spell, a beeswax figural candle, spiritual oil, herbs, complete step-by-step instructions, and more. No purchase is required to enter. Anyone anywhere in the world can enter to win this gorgeous beeswax candle spell kit, but you must be over 18. That's the only rule. Simply go to magicgiveaway.com and enter your email to be entered in the contest. So let's talk about gems and magic. So how can we use gems in our spells? Well, using gems for magical purposes, for healing purposes, actually goes back to ancient times. We can be sure, uh, we can, I guess, guess, with an educated guess, that people have been using crystals for magic since prehistoric times. Since written history, we've seen the use of gemstones and magic, so we know it probably goes back further than written history. Crystals and healing, crystals being used for healing have been used for millennia and really are estimated to have begun being used as early as 4,000 BCE. That means 6,000 years ago. The ancient Sumerians in Mesopotamia were really among the first to record the use of crystals and gemstones, and they used them as medicinal ingredients. So they were using crystals to heal physical ailments. Now, ancient Sumerians also constructed cylinder seals out of crystals like gypsum and hematite that could be inscribed or um, scratched with pictures and words in cuneiform. So these cylinders were frequently put in temples and they were used during spiritual ceremonies because gypsum um, and hematite were supposed to have protective qualities. So these we see protection magic and crystals being used in ancient, ancient, ancient times. 
Another example of crystals being used in magic in ancient times was emerald. Emerald was highly prized in ancient Egypt for its beauty. And it was thought to be a healer, both of physical and emotional ailments. Um, Emerald was used to create amulets and talisman for protection and good luck. And it was believed to improve mental clarity and vision. It was also thought to have a calming effect on the body and mind and help to alleviate anxiety and insomnia. In ancient Greece, here's another example. In ancient Greece, um, the amethyst, which is uh, the word amethyst is, uh, comes from the Greek word. And amethyst um, was used to preserve sobriety when you were drinking. It was a specific stone that was associated with the goddess Diana and Dionysus, the god of wine. And so amethyst was you thought if you put an amethyst in your wine, you wouldn't get drunk. And that was a way that we see you know, amethyst being used magically in ancient Greece. Now, it wasn't just in ancient times that healing stones and crystals were used. It really existed in those those classical period in ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, Mesopotamia, and so on. But healing stones and crystals were even used throughout the Middle Ages in Western Europe. There are books called lapidaries, and these are books that describe the quality and application of stones and jewels for healing. So the earliest surviving lapidary was from ancient Greece, but copies of it were made in the Middle Ages and well into the Renaissance and were used during those times to do healing work. So this history of using gems for magic, for healing, you know, what we think of as like a new age thing that came about in the 80s, actually is something that's thousands and thousands of years old. Now, gemstones have special properties that we might want to bring to our magic. For example, whenever we want to evoke the element of earth, maybe on our altar or maybe in our spell work, we can use crystals to represent that element of earth. Crystals are strong, they're solid, and they're long-lasting. If you think about it, gemstones are millions of years old. That gem didn't get made last week. That was a process that took millions of years to make that gem. And so when we use it in our magic and in our spells, we are creating something that is long lasting. We are using something to create longevity in our success and our money and our health or whatever we want. When we bring in gemstones, we add the element of longevity. And like all magical tools, crystals and gems can be our spiritual allies. What do I mean when I say spiritual allies? I mean something that we bring in that is going to assist us in our intention and our spell work. The spiritual allies are quite important in our spell work because while we might have an intention, human nature usually says that we have that intention, but then we start to doubt ourselves or doubt our abilities or doubt that our wish is going to come true. So if we have those doubts or we're a little wobbly on our intention, we can bring in spiritual allies like crystals to hold the imprint of our intention and keep our intention going. We can program our crystals with intentions and the crystal doesn't judge our intention. If we do an intention for more prosperity, for example, and that's what we want, the crystal isn't going to say, you don't need prosperity. You don't need money. You don't need that. No, the crystal is going to go, okay. I'm going to work on bringing prosperity. So that's why we bring spiritual allies in is because they keep our energy going forward. Even if we in our mind 
or in our emotions are not feeling quite so strong with our intention. Now, I said that crystals can be programmed with our intention. So how do you program a crystal? Well, programming a crystal is another way for charging a crystal, right? Or imbuing a crystal. Sometimes uh, we see this as cleansing and charging is another way. I like to say cleansing and charging a crystal for an intention. We can use a lot of different things for cleansing and charging. Now, cleansing is the idea that we're going to give it a fresh start or we're going to create some new intention around it. No matter what that crystal has experienced, we're going to give it a fresh start. And so any of these methods can actually bring in that uh, cleansing and sort of um, bring that energy. Now, when I say charging a crystal, I don't mean like charging a phone, like the crystal's dead and then we're charging it. I mean, we're adding our intention to the crystal. So I want to be clear on that vocabulary there. As I said, there are lots of different methods for um, cleansing and charging a crystal. We can use water as long as our crystal is not too soft. We wouldn't want to use talc, for example, which is one of the softest stones in water because it will just dissolve in water. But if your stone is hard enough, you can use water to cleanse it. You can also use smoke, the smoke from incense or an herb bundle or a smudge stick can be used to cleanse and charge a crystal. We can use sunlight or moonlight to cleanse and charge a crystal. We can put our crystal in earth to charge it, like put it back into the earth. It's mother, right? That's where it came from. And that can cleanse and charge it. We can also use a bowl of salt or use salt water to cleanse and charge a crystal. Or we can use something like a selenite plate. This is gypsum, which the Mesopotamians, the Sumerians are using. But selenite can be used and you can set your crystals on a selenite plate and charge them that way. Now, another way we can put our intention into crystals is simply by holding the crystal and speaking words or focusing our intention as we're holding that crystal. That's another way that we can set the intention or we can set the intention and then put it in this charging, um, cleansing and charging medium. So we can do it before or after. Now, how do we use these charged and intention-infused crystals? Well, we can use them as talismans just by themselves. That's a very easy thing to do. If you've got a polished stone or a tumbled stone, you can carry it in your pocket or you can add it to a charm bag or a bottle spell or, or a mojo bag or any kind of um, thing that you can contain something. You can contain that and hold on to it, carry it with you or place it somewhere important. The, we can use a crystal as a talisman. One of the most popular ways, of course, to use crystals is to use them in jewelry. Jewelry is a great way to use our crystals and use them in a way that um, might not be evident to other people. You know, if we if we wear jewelry, I'm just wearing this necklace and, and it's like nobody's noticing that that necklace is magic, but I know it's imbued with an intention. And I know that in this case, these coral beads have this amazing power of protection for me. So you can wear jewelry and for the most part, people are not going to look askance at that or even think it's magical, but you can imbue it with an intention and magic. We can also use our crystals in spaces. So in the home or in our office or in our business, you know, we can use a crystal to infuse the space with a certain energy. The ways we can do that, of course, is we can display crystals. Like by my hearth altar, I have some beautiful um, geodes that are opened up with all the beautiful crystals inside or some other, you know, stones and shells and things like that. So we can put these on display 
make a cute little display and they can imbue the space with energy. Again, you want to program. You don't want to just put a crystal up. I mean, you can, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to use it magically, you want to set an intention. Oh, this amethyst is going to bring peace and tranquility to my home, for example. And then I display the amethyst. So that's the way that you would do that. Now, if you have smaller crystals, maybe you have some little crystal points or you have some tumbled stones, you can put those in hidden places in your home. So they don't have to be displayed. And if you have smaller ones, you can like tuck them in a drawer or put them up on a, on a shelf or hide them somewhere. And you can either do that, you know, in your space or in someone else's space and, and give some energy to that space, maybe on the sly. Now think about the rooms and what stones you would want to have there. You know, different rooms, you would want to have different energy in different rooms. So for example, you might want peace and harmony in the living room or passion in the bedroom or restfulness in the bedroom. You might want to have stones for abundance or prosperity or attracting money or customers in the workplace. Uh, or you might want protection around your home or a business and so on. So think about the intentions that you want and find crystals that embody those intentions and then put them in those spaces to bring that energy there. Now, it's not just inside spaces that we can uh, charge and imbue with the power of crystals. We can um, take them outside. So we can take crystals and bury them on our property or place them on our property. Um, you can maybe, for example, you might want abundance and health in your garden. You know, if you're growing vegetables and fruits, you might want them to be abundant and healthy and to bring health and abundance to you. So you can put uh, stones for abundance or health in the garden. The one thing I would caution you is you want to use stones that are not going to disintegrate and add an element or a mineral to the soil. For example, you wouldn't want to put salt on your property if you want to grow anything there because too much salt is going to kill the plants in that area. So don't use salt as your crystal in a garden where you're trying to grow things. That's my one caveat. You can also leave crystals for nature spirits. I have a beautiful fey folk tree that I decorated and I leave crystals around it for the fey folk. So you can leave crystals for nature spirits. Um, you can leave crystals just to bless your land or bless your garden or protect your property or any of those things. Another way we can use crystals in our magic is, of course, the thing that everybody loves. We see this on Instagram and Pinterest and of everywhere, anywhere that we can see images, crystal grids. So crystal grids are crystals, either rough crystals or polished crystals that are placed in a sort of a, a pleasing arrangement. Usually it's kind of like a mandala. It's usually a symmetrical arrangement. And we choose crystals that might amplify and empower each other. So you might bring a bunch of crystals for prosperity, for example, and arrange them in a beautiful grid on your altar. Now, you want to make sure that when you're making a crystal grid that you choose crystals that complement each other in intention. So I think that's the most crystals play together very well. But if you were going to do a crystal grid, let's say for um, protection, I wouldn't necessarily bring my love crystals into that. For example, I'd bring my protection crystals there. So make sure it focuses on one topic when you do a, a crystal grid. That's my advice. You might see something somewhere else that says something different and try it out and see how it goes. Now, when you make a crystal grid, you can use a special board that sort of has uh, some sacred geometry on it or a special shape, or you could just place them on your altar in a pleasing design. You'll need many crystals and just place them in this beautiful design. Now, we sell crystals in crystal chips that are great for 
um, bottles of crystal chips that are great for putting in crystal grids because they're small and you can put a lot of them. And we have those at the Parlor of Wonders if you want to add to a crystal grid. And um, we also have regular tumbled crystals. And we also have crystal glitter. Crystal glitter is amazing. Crystal glitter is tiny little tumbled pieces of crystals. And you can use it in your spells wherever you would use regular glass glitter or plastic glitter, forget plastic glitter, but you can use this in your spell. So you could, for example, dress a candle with oil and then sprinkle gemstone glitter on it. And it adds not only the color of the gem, but the power of the gem to your candle spell. And it's a wonderful way to work. It's really, really beautiful. Now, another way to work with, um, gems is to, in your magic, is to make gem elixirs. So gem elixirs are sometimes called crystal essences or crystal elixirs or gem essences. I mean, there's lots of names for them. What they are in essence is uh, crystals, water that has been infused with the essence of a crystal. Now there's two methods for doing this. One is the direct method and one is the indirect method. In the direct method, you get a crystal that's safe to put in water and then you put it directly in the water and then you use that water in your magic. That could be maybe in a bath or maybe you're adding it to something. Now the direct method is fine, but I don't recommend using the direct method unless you're very, 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 very confident that that crystal doesn't have any um, chemicals in it that are harmful that you don't want to drink. A good sort of rule of thumb is if a crystal is blue or green, it probably has something that you don't want to drink in it, usually copper or something else. But you'd be surprised at the, at the gemstones that are seemingly harmless, but are toxic. I mean, you know, there's lots of them. So don't drink the water when you use the direct method. That's the only recommendation I would say. If you're going to use the direct method of using a bowl of water and putting a crystal directly into it, and let's say putting it out under the moon or putting it out under the sun, just make sure you don't drink that water. Now, if you want to drink your gem elixir or your crystal essence, we got you. You can use the indirect method. And in the indirect method, you keep the crystal separate from the water, but you put the crystals next to the water. Now you could take a jar of water, for example, and put crystals around it. That's one way you could use the indirect method. Or you could put a jar of crystals, add water to the jar of crystals, and put that jar of crystals and water in a bigger bowl of water, and it will sit there in the sun or in the moon and charge. But you do not drink the water that is touching the crystals. You drink the water in the bowl that has only been touching the glass jar. That makes sense. If you want to know more about gem elixirs, I've got a great class that's going to be coming up in the Academy of the Magical Arts, and it is about making love potions, and I talk about making gem elixirs in there. So look for that in the coming weeks. Anyway, you leave these gem, whether you do indirect method for just water that you're not going to drink a direct method for water you're not going to drink or indirect method for water that you are going to drink. You can leave this in the sunlight or the moonlight. And then once you've done that, you can add 10% of alcohol or vinegar to preserve it and place that water in the fridge. And you can keep it usually a few weeks. Um, and that way you can have all that magic of the gems and uh, be able to use that water in your magic and lots, all the ways that you can use water baths, you know, potions and so on and so forth. Another way that you can um, make a gem or crystal essence 
is to have a gemstone bottle. These are glass bottles that have a little separate bubble that has some gemstones in it. So the gemstones are not touching the water. So it's indirect method, but you can just add your drinking water on a daily basis to that. And it's going to pick up that gemstone energy. So that's another way you can do it. We can also use crystal objects. Oh my gosh, there are so many crystal objects and bringing in these objects into our magic can be so powerful. The first one, of course, are crystal wands. You can use a wand that's made out of all crystal and use it for focusing your energy and intention as you touch magical objects. That's the way to use a wand. And an all crystal wand can be used, or you might see a wand, for example, that's made out of wood or horn or something else or metal, but has a crystal attached to it. And that's another way we can use our crystals, crystal wands. So they come in two different ways, probably more than that even, but those are the two ways that I know of. And um, these can add power or intention to our magic. So if we were going to use, for example, the uh, rose quartz crystal wand, I could use this to imbue something with the energy of the rose quartz, you know, by touching my deck or touching my potion or touching my whatever I'm trying to charge. Um, pendulums are another way um, we, we can use crystals in our uh, magic and divination and we can get crystal pendulums and there's lots I mean like you name it every probably every crystal under the sun you can probably get a crystal pendulum as long as it's not too soft um, we sell pendulums at the parlor of wonders there's lots of them that are made out of crystals and you can use the intention of the crystal the energy of the crystal to further enhance your divination work Another way we can, uh, another crystal object that we can use in our magic are worry stones, sometimes called soothing stones. We have a soothing stone set, for example, at the Parlor of Wonders. Um, these are stones that are usually oval shaped that have a little indentation and you can hold them in your hand and you can rub them with your thumb. And this is something that is quite powerful because you're, you're actively working with a stone and you're rubbing that stone and you can imbue it with an intention or you can feed off the intention that you've already imbued into that stone by rubbing it with your thumb, holding it in your hand and rubbing it with your thumb. Wonderful way to work. And you can keep these in your pocket, something that keep with you. And if you're a fidgety person like I am, it's wonderful to have something to play with when you're at a meeting or listening to something and having that little worry stone or soothing stone in your pocket is a wonderful thing. Along those lines, you also have stones that have words on them. Those are like intention words that you can use. Oh my goodness. My cat is knocking down my <laughs> tarot decks. Um, you can use those intention stones with, um, uh, those words and they might have a special word like, um, you know, a, uh, gratitude or love or something like that. And you can use those stones for those intentions. Um, there's also something called sacred geometry sets, and we have sacred geometry sets at the Parlor of Wonders made out of quartz crystal, clear quartz. And these are sets with the stones carved into this different shapes of sacred geometry, uh, pyramids, cubes, uh, spheres, all the different sacred geometry, uh, you know, all of them. So, oh my gosh, she's like all over my tarot decks. Um, you can bring these, these uh, sets and you can start to work with sacred geometry. If you like working with sacred geometry, there's a beautiful to work with to use as a meditation tool or a manifestation tool. Another gemstone set that we have at the Parlor of Wonders is the chakra um, set. This is if you work with chakras and um, that's a system that you work with. We have 
one uh, of each of the colors for the seven chakras. And you can work clearing healing chakras by placing these stones on the, the body in the area of the chakras. Or you can pull that energy and use that, carry that stone with you to bring in the energy of your throat chakra or your third eye chakra or whatever you're working on. There's crystal divination sets. Back in the 80s, I got this amazing crystal divination set that was basically a cloth and you had crystals and you threw the crystals and whatever sections they landed on the cloth, then that would tell you that there was something going on for you in that area and you could do divination. And so there's systems of using crystals for divination. And as you have crystal sets or build your own set, you can start thinking about using them for divination. Not only that, but if we think about like divination, we have crystal gemstone rune sets. So if you are attached to the runes and you want to bring in certain energy into your rune reading practice, you can get rune sets that are made out of a specific crystal or specific gemstone and work with them that way. And you can also take the rune that you want to focus on. Maybe you need strength. Maybe you want breakthroughs. Maybe you want more happiness. You can bring the, the rune along with you that corresponds to that. Lastly, uh, oh no, not even lastly, there's more. <laughs> I feel like I'm a, a QVC commercial. We can use scrying mirrors. So obsidian mirrors or black agate mirrors, any black stone um, can be used as a scrying mirror. Obsidian mirrors go back to ancient Aztec times and we see these as sacred magical instruments. But using a black mirror for scrying and for using for divination, meditation tool, or looking into the spirit world is a very, very old practice. This actually is going to be the next full moon uh, spell kit is going to be scrying mirror, working with a black scrying mirror made out of black agate. So you can work with black scrying mirrors made out of special um, gemstones to empower them in that way. We also think about crystals and working with different shaped crystals. Have you guys seen the crystal hearts, crystal eggs, pyramids, and so on? Shaped crystals have different purposes and they can be used for different things. So for example, if you have a heart-shaped crystal, that has anything to do with the emotions, heart, love, or the heart, or feelings, or emotions. So you can work with those hearts, those heart-shaped crystals to heal your emotions. It's a beautiful way and carry them with you or any of the other ways, place it on your altar, any of the other ways we've talked about. Egg-shaped crystals can be used for protection, for cleansing, or for giving birth to something new, new projects, new endeavors, or fertility even. We can use egg-shaped crystals for that. We can use pyramid crystals for longevity. This Think about the pyramids. The pyramids have been around for thousands of years. Crystals have been around for millions of years. When we work with a crystal pyramid, we're really bringing in longevity. So if you want something long-term, long-term health, long-term wealth, long-term success, long-term love, whatever you're working on, you can bring a pyramid-shaped crystal in for that. We can also use crystal balls and spheres. Crystal balls and spheres are used for focus. They can be used for extrasensory extra communication and for divination. They're beautiful to work with and you can get them, of course, clear crystal, but you can also get them in different kinds of crystals and they're all beautiful to work with. You might find uh, crystals carved or gemstones carved in the shapes of animals. And that can be used for connecting to the power of that animal. Or sometimes people have 
uh, crystals or gemstones carved in the shape of angels for invoking their angels and, and so on. Lastly, there are what are called gemstone generators or crystal generators or crystal generator towers. These are obelisk shaped crystals that are flat on the bottom. They can sit down, but they have a point and sides on them, facets on them. And these are used for cleansing, healing, and balancing usually yourself or a space. So all of these different shaped crystals can also be brought into our magic for different purposes. Now, what crystals do we use for these? Well, in a minute, I'm going to tell you some of my favorite stones for specific types of spells. But before I do that, do you know that you can hold the secret to successful and beautiful candle spells right in your hands? I've written a best-selling book called The Book of Candle Magic, Candle Spells Secrets to Change Your Life. And if you don't have a copy yet, you don't know what you're missing out on. Not only are you missing out on a great book, I think probably the best book and not being braggy about it. I wrote the book that I wanted to share everything I knew about candle magic from very beginning to very advanced. And that is this book. And it has, I don't think there's anything that's not in this book about candle magic. It's everything from smoke reading and flame reading and wax reading to layouts and numerology and using crystals in our spell. And there is a great appendix in the back that includes a gemstone, a list of gemstones that can be used for specific spells. So if you have this book, you've got a great gemstone resource right there in a candle book. The Book of Candle Magic has over 1,200 reviews on Amazon and has earned a five-star rating and has consistently been in the top 100 bestsellers on Amazon's Magic Studies charts. It has never left the charts, which is amazing. I'm super proud of that. So if you don't have a copy, what are you waiting for? Get it at your favorite bookseller or get a personalized signed copy from me at the Parlor of Wonders, parlorofwonders.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out my other books, Baba Yaga's Book of Witchcraft, Slavic Magic from the Witch in the Woods, and Madame Pamita's Magical Tarot, Using the Cards to Make Your Dreams Come True. You can find them at all your usual places, including the Parlor of Wonders, where you can get a signed copy of any of these books. Now, let's talk about some of my favorite stones for certain things. I'm just going to go over a couple of the sort of conditions where you might want to use stones and what stones I recommend. If you're doing attraction work, and by attraction work, I mean attracting any good thing into your life. This is probably 75% of magic, maybe, is attracting what we want into our life. So if you're doing attraction work, the stones that I recommend are amber, which is kind of a quasi-gemstone, but is considered a gemstone. Citrine, beautiful yellow stone. Um, it's a quartz, a yellow quartz. Uh, lodestone, which is a naturally magnetic stone, amazing, magical. If you look back in my early podcasts, I talk about it, I think probably podcast four or five is about lodestones and lodestone magic. Um, magnetic stand, which goes along with a lodestone, but you can also use it in your spell work. And sunstone, those are all great for attraction work. What about if you need protection, spiritual protection, protection from the evil eye? Well, uh, great stones for that are black tourmaline, clear quartz, hematite, and labradorite. Those are all great for protection from the evil eye. So maybe you don't want to wear evil eye jewelry, but you want to be protected from negative things coming your way. Those, any of those stones would be great for that. Maybe you're working on healing, just general healing. 
Amethyst is great for that. Beautiful purple amethyst. Azurite, blue calcite is fantastic for healing. Cat's eye, which is a beautiful uh, stone that when polished kind of has this shape that looks like a cat's eye in it. It's really beautiful. Uh, Celestite, clear quartz, again, great for healing. Hematite, good for protection, good for healing. Lipididite and um, lipidolite and moss agate and peridot are all beautiful for healing. What about gems for love, romantic love? Amber is great for uh, romantic love. Amethyst is great for romantic love. Uh, carnelian, garnet, I think of carnelian and garnet being like passionate. Um, jade is great for romantic love. Lapis lazuli is great for romantic love. Lipidolite is also wonderful for that. Malachite, moonstone, one of my favorites for romantic love. Moonstone, absolutely beautiful, like very romantic, very emotional. Pearl, even though pearl is not considered like a classic stone, but it is a gemstone and it can be used uh, for love spells. Rhodochrosite is another beautiful pink stone. Sapphire's gorgeous stone, very expensive stone, probably the most expensive stone is sapphire, but maybe some sapphire jewelry. Great love spell can be added to sapphire jewelry. And topaz is also great for love. What about luck? You want some good luck? Well, agate, amber, amber is good for everything, right? Agate, amber, Apache tear, aventurine, black tourmaline, chrysoprase. Oh, chrysoprase is such a gorgeous stone. It's kind of brown and green and it's gorgeous, you know, all these variegated colors. Citrine, that yellow quartz jet. Jet is a black stone that's made from like fossilized, um, burnt wood, basically, uh, you know, uh, like fossilized wood, but black and it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, lipidolite again. Olivine is great for luck. Opals are wonderful for luck. That was my mom's favorite stone. She loved opals. Pearls can also be used for luck. Termalinated quartz. Boy, it's hard for me to say that. Termalinated quartz is great for general luck and turquoise. Last one, prosperity and money. Everybody wants to know the stones for prosperity and money. Aventurine, beautiful green aventurine is wonderful for money. Bloodstone, Calcite, cat's eye is great for that again. Chrysoprase, there we have that beautiful green and brown stone. Yellow citrine, emerald, green tourmaline, green zircon. Think of those green stones. Jade, lodestones and magnetic sand for attracting money. Um, malachite, another green stone. Moss agate, another green stone. Opal, pearl, peridot, a light green stone. Pyrite is another one. Fool's gold, which is great for attracting money luck. Uh, ruby, sapphire. Oh, bring me ruby and sapphires for my prosperity and money spells. Uh, sunstone, tiger's eye, and topaz. If you want to see a complete list of magical stones, you got to check out Appendix 2 in the Book of Candle Magic. I go over almost every magical circumstance, pretty much every magical circumstance that you would need to do magic around. And I give you the stones for doing that. So you got it. If you got that book, you've got a great resource. Wow. That about does it for this episode of Magic and the Law of Attraction. If you would like to get even more info about candle magic and candle spells, 
then check out the Learn page. Oh, Candle Magic and Candle Spells about crystals. Go check out the Learn page over at Parlor of Wonders where you'll find a ton of free resources, including workshops, blog posts, how-to guides, how-to videos, past podcast episodes, and the way to join me live over Zoom for the Magic Q&A Tea Party every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Just go to Parlor of Wonders and click on the Learn tab to see all the goodies there. Thank you to all the Spell Squad members. Thank you to folks who have left reviews. Thank you to Jill Navarre for production and engineering. Thank you to Manfred Hofer for announcing. And thank you to you for joining me here. I'm looking forward to next episode when we'll be answering the question, can clothing be magical? Until next time, this is Madame Camita saying, keep making your life the most magical adventure ever.